How many times have you prayed and you've begged God for more of his power, more of his presence? We look to God and we ask him to give us the things that we feel we need to carry out his work and to live by faith because we need more of God. But while we're always asking for more, what are we doing with what he's already given us? Now, we deal with a lot of people here in Africa that are following the, the teachings and the leanings of the charismatic movement, and they're always crying out for a new revelation, for more of God, but while ignoring the revelation they've already received from the Word of God. And I feel like we, in many ways, have adopted a similar mindset while we're asking for God to give us more, to show himself strong in our life, we're not doing much with what he's already equipped us with. We're talking about the principle of stewardship and how it relates to the Great Commission. I'm Damon Matachera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Well, it's that time of year when the rain is falling, the grass is growing, and the mosquitoes and flies are buzzing around everywhere. Um, it's just lush and green, and it's the rainy season. And everything that we love about the rainy season is here in full force, but everything that we don't love about the rainy season is also ever-present with us. <laughs> Uh, the roads get washed away. Um, there's just flooding. Uh, we have can we have to cancel our Bible studies from time to time when it's just too much water, and so we have to kind of shut things down. It's kind of a low time in the ministry because the rain it, it just rearranges our schedule. Uh, I had the chance this past week to go out to Chiambiquezo and Pingoa Baptist uh, just to check on how they were doing, uh, what they were doing. It's a really difficult time of year because. Everyone is working. They're in their fields. They're going out. They're plowing. They're weeding. Um, everything by now is already planted. But if that crop is to survive, they have to be out there putting the fertilizer on. You know, every corn stalk, they have to do it by hand. Every, you know, plant that they're growing, no matter the crop, they have to tend to by hand. It's a very long process. And so they'll be gone the entire day from morning until night. And with good reason, because if they fail to do the job, then it will affect their harvest. It will affect their food. Uh, right now, uh, January, February, it is the hardest time of the year. A lot of people, they're down to one meal. Uh, they just don't have the food. They don't have the maize, the mealy meal, uh, to eat their enchima all the time like they usually like to. Uh, because they've either had to pay off their debt with it earlier in the year, they had to barter with it, um, or they just sold it for money for school fees and for this and for that. Uh, and so a lot is going on. Uh, it's a growing work uh, with Christians that are growing in their faith, but they need time to mature and to, to really understand their own personal walk with Christ. And hopefully in time, they'll learn to prioritize more of the things of God and his church. Uh, but right now, uh, things are going really good. I was encouraged. A good number of people showed up to church. Uh, it's always an encouragement when you see people in church, especially during the rainy season. 
I was able to go out to the fruit tree farm. Uh, and again, another encouragement, the fruit trees are starting to bear fruit. And I held a mango the size of my hand uh, and I was looking at it and there is uh, a sense of joy and satisfaction when you're holding a mango that you've grown yourself. I mean, have you ever held a mango in your hand and you just look at it and you're like, wow, you know, I, I planted a tree, we watered the tree, <laughs> and here's the fruit that has come from our efforts. It's just an encouragement. Um, you get that, that sense of pride and fulfillment, like, you know, I've done something. Um, so if you haven't held a mango in your hand, go get a mango tree, plant a mango tree, so that you can have that sense of fulfillment as well. Uh, you know, everyone needs to plant a mango tree. And the benefit is that you can bear fruit. Uh, and you know, hopefully in your Christian life, you'll also be planting seeds of the Word of God in the, the hearts and the lives of people around you so that you can bear fruit in a similar way, but spiritually. Because just like, you know, I look at that mango and I hold it in my hand, and I, I just feel good holding this mango. Well, when I lead someone to the Lord, and then that, that new Christian, he's taking baby steps, and he's growing, and he decides he wants to follow Jesus. It's a very similar feeling where you can look at this life and realize that you had a part in helping this person come to God, and not just come to the Lord, but to grow in the Lord. So if you haven't experienced that yet, well, Get out there and get the job done. <laughs> Find someone to, to preach the gospel to, lead someone to the Lord, disciple them in the faith, and you will experience the joys of watching God work in your life. But as we look at the Great Commission today, uh, you know, we're talking about coming to God and asking Him to help us, asking Him to provide uh, while we're not utilizing what He's already given. You see, the Great Commission is about being faithful with the resources and the time that he has given us. We're talking about our time. We're talking about our talents and our resources, all of the things that we already have. Not the things necessarily that we're praying for, that we're asking God for, but what do you have right now? Are, and are you using those things for God? You know, when we talk about um, different resources that we all have in common, the first thing that I think of is time. Time is something that we all have, we all share, we share in together. Everyone on this little blue and green planet, we all have the same amount of time every day. We can waste time, we can spend time, we can save time, we can invest time. Uh, we all use it in different ways. But a truth that we have to really understand here is that we all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have 168 hours in a week. We all have 525,600 hours in a year. You're probably wondering, man, did you just do that math in your head? No, no, I have it written down here. I'm looking at it, but it's still true. <laughs> we have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of time, but we all use it differently. We're all living our lives 
in different ways. We're spending our life doing different things. People, they take time to build relationships. Uh, we follow after our dreams. People, they make plans. Uh, they go out and they do work. You know, people can cultivate their relationship with the Lord, which is a good thing. Maybe people develop new skills in their own life. Um, and hopefully, people are maybe even just living productive lives. I mean, isn't that good? It's all good. But people, they're spending their time differently. Even you, you are spending your days and your time and your life and all that you have differently than the guy next to you. You know, a big pastime in our culture centers around entertainment. Entertainment is a big deal in our American culture. You know, according to Statista, the average American spends about three hours a day watching TV. Now, maybe you're not watching TV per se, but you have your phone, you have your tablet, uh, you're watching things online, maybe Netflix, but three hours a day. And this translates eventually to 18 days in the year that we are spending in front of a screen watching TV. Now, 18 days, that's half a month. Imagine just going half a month, over half a month, just watching TV. Every hour of the day, 24 hours a day for 18 days, just vegging out. Well, if you are watching three hours a day, that is how much time, how much of your resource you are giving to that activity. And then we, we pray to God saying, Lord, we need more time. We need to be doing this. Lord, would you help me? And I think God is looking down saying, what? <laughs> I mean, you're asking for this. You're asking for that. But you just spent three hours a day watching TV, uh, being entertained. And now you're, now you're asking me for more. Now you're asking me to give you more so that you can accomplish more. I'm not sure if that is how... It works because God has given us, every one of us, he's given us the tools that we need to carry out his will, to carry out his commission to make disciples. But here's the question. Are you using and utilizing what he has already given you? You know, we can talk about all the things that he has given us. I, I made a list. Uh, he's given us his spirit. Has he not? He's given us knowledge of the truth. He has given us authority from his word. He's given us his promise that he's there to work alongside us. He's given us his strength to empower us. Fellow believers to work together with. His church to help establish our effort. And money to help fund different endeavors. He has given us so much. What are we doing with it? You see, that is what we're talking about when we discuss stewardship. The responsible planning and management of our resources. We can expect so much from God, but if we're not willing to use and to take the things he has already given us, then how can we complain about how things are in our life? How can we complain that we need more responsibility, that we need more of God in our life, that we need uh, to be used in a greater way, that we feel that 
we can be more productive, that we can have a bigger ministry when we're not doing anything with what we have. You see, having God's tools and using them in the Great Commission are two different things altogether. Just recently, in our village ministry, we had our men, uh, and we came together like we do every week, but they had somewhat of a complaint, but it was like a complaint and a request at the same time. So we got together, we sat down under our little lean-to, and they started explaining that these guys, they wanted a motorbike. They wanted to take the gospel out to the regions beyond. And, I mean, who doesn't love the idea of taking the gospel out to the regions beyond? It's a great idea. I love it. I mean, I love that idea. As a missionary, one of our primary goals is not only to establish ourselves where we're already based, but to go farther out with the gospel, to go into other villages, to go to those places that don't have a gospel presence. And so having our guys come and say, listen, we're asking for you to partner with us to help us with the motorbike so that we can go farther with the gospel. And, I mean, that's a great request. But we started talking about it. Uh, even as great a goal as it was, as worthy of a request as it was, we started just kind of hashing things out. And I, I looked at them and I said, this is a great request. I love the idea of what you want to do. I said, but right now, currently, are you reaching out in your own village? Do you have a time where you're evangelizing where you live? Well, they kind of looked at each other, kind of scratched their heads, metaphorically, of course, and they said, not really, no. I said, okay, so you're not really doing anything now. I said, well, in your own village, what about in the, the surrounding villages, the villages that are nearby, not where you live, but the villages adjacent to where you live. Do we have any outreaches right now where you're active, where you're going on a regular basis to preach the gospel, to visit, to just tell people about Jesus? And again, I was met with the same answer and people said, they said no. So my guys now were getting a little frustrated and so was I. <laughs> because they're asking for a motorbike to take the gospel to the, the regions beyond. Uh, when we were not even preaching the gospel where we lived. And to me, that's a big issue. Because how can we even think about going to those other regions outside of our influence with the gospel when we're not even talking to people right around us, the people that we see every day? If we're not telling them the gospel, do we have any right to just bypass them and to go straight to other places? And then they were getting kind of frustrated and I really didn't know how to communicate this idea of stewardship because they felt like we almost doubted their faithfulness. And I kind of did. <laughs> and so one of our team members looked at them and gave this, this example that really brought everything into perspective. He said, if, if you're farming, you're all farmers. He looked at the men and he said, you're all farmers. You can appreciate this. If you're farming and you don't even have enough produce that you're growing to fill a basket, then how can you justify asking for an ox cart? Would, would that even be a thing? 
Could you ask for an ox cart? Could you even have the goal of getting an ox cart if your current uh, productivity is only enough to fill a small basket? And the men in our little group, they, they thought about it, and, the, and they said, well, no, we, we couldn't ask for an ox cart if we're not even filling a basket. So, you know, I was catching on with where my friend was going. So, and I looked at them and I said, well, why do you need an ox cart then? Why do you need a motorbike if you're not even filling a basket where you live? If you're not, if you're not doing anything where you live? And they kind of got it. I don't think they, they liked our answer. Now, we explained to them that we want to go to those regions beyond. And I do think that we will eventually get that motorbike, hopefully even in 2023, sometime mid to late um, 2023. We would love to even buy a bike that we can have for our ministry team for that to happen. But we need to make sure that we're not just jumping the gun and wanting to do more, but but neglecting what God has given us. You see, a lot of times we have a grand plan, similar to the grand plan that these men had in our team. And they wanted to do something great for God, but they weren't willing to do the little things, the everyday things with the people that they usually come into contact with, with the other villages that were close by. Um, there wasn't a desire to really do God's work and to be faithful with those little things, but yet they wanted greater things. And that really kind of represents our attitude many times that we have with God, especially with the Great Commission. You see, if you're not serving God right now with what you have, then you most certainly will not should you be given more. You know, a lot of people, they say, man, I, I want to serve God and I will serve God uh, one day. Well, listen, if, if, if you're going to wait, then eventually things are not going to get better. Life will always be busy. You're always going to have commitments. You're always going to have things you want to do. So if you have that attitude of let me wait, well, you'll never serve God. You'll never do anything. What are you doing right now? Where you are with what you have? If you're not even using what God has given you today, then why are you asking more of God? as you profess to carry out the Great Commission? Why are we almost, in a way, demanding that God empowers us and gives us that harvest when we're not putting in the time right now in our little field? And that's what we have to remember. Be faithful with where you are, with what God has. Fill that basket. Take that basket and utilize it and fill it until the time comes where it's just too small. And then, naturally, that ox cart is going to come. And God will provide that ox cart for you because you have a need for it. And that's how God works. God gives us what we need. But, but if we don't need the ox cart, then why is God going to give us the ox cart? You know, with the motorbike, the men, they said, they said, well, if we have the motorbike, then we will be going out more, even to where we live. And I was like, uh-uh, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Be faithful where you are right now. And then God will bless. God will give you more responsibility when you are faithful with the responsibility that you have been given. So does the fruit of your works, does it fill an ox cart? 
or is it only filling a basket? Okay, evaluate that. Look at your life. Ask yourself, uh, where am I with, with being a good steward of the tools that God has given me? You know, very often we complain about people not being receptive to the gospel. We complain about how America has changed and people are not as open as they used to be, but, but yet we don't have the care to take time to talk to people on a regular basis. We don't even try anymore. How can we complain about uh, the reception that we get or that we used to get when we're not even trying uh, and there's no even chance to get bad reception? There's no reception anymore because there's no effort. You know, we'll lament about our freedoms that are being taken away or perhaps being under attack in the United States. And that's a big deal to us, and rightly so. But yet, we fail to exercise those same freedoms for God's will and for uh, the mission that he has called us to. So how can we complain about these freedoms being taken away when we never used them in the first place? We'll tell stories of long ago and how God used to work in our life and all the victories that we had and the people that we led to the Lord, uh, but we experience nothing right here and right now in the present time. We're living in the past. There's nothing to say about now. We just have the stories of long ago when we were active, when we did things. We'll admire those believers who lived victoriously in the past. And there are certainly many people that we can look up to, but ourselves, we remain victims, blaming those around us for our own complacency. That's one thing we have to get out of. We cannot blame people for where we are in our lives. If we're not active, if we're not doing what we should, if we're not reaching the potential that God has for us, well, then that's, not, that's no one's fault but your own. We need to recognize it's our choice. How we live is up to us. How you live is up to you. Um, you know, we, I mentioned how the, the charismatic movement is a really big deal here. And, and the people will often talk about, oh, there was a guy and he committed adultery because the spirit of lust overtook him. It wasn't the guy's fault. He didn't even have a chance. The spirit of lust entered into him and, well, that was the end of that. But you know what? There is no such thing. If we sin, we sin because we choose to. That's our choice. And there's, a, there's an action and there's a consequence. I teach my children that all, all the time. Yeah, there's an action, there's a consequence. There's a punishment if you do wrong. Well, if you mess up your life, it's, it's no one's fault but your own. If you're inactive, if you're not doing anything for God and there's nothing to show for it, well, that's on you. The only thing I can say is get up and start doing something. Prove the sincerity of your love. Do you love God? Prove it. Don't, don't prove it to me. I'm talking about between you and God. If you say you love God, then prove it. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the Bible says, For whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. And so when we look at everything that God has committed to us, then that always begs the question, how have we used it? How have we taken the things that God has given us and, 
and grown it to the point where it has multiplied and we have been faithful and we've been committed with the things that we already have. How can we ask God for more when we're not taking that basket and we're not doing anything with it? We can't even fill the basket, but yet we want so much more beyond the basket. Listen, I say, take that basket and use the thing until it is falling apart. Use that basket until the threads of that thing are just everywhere and it's just barely holding together. And you watch what God does. God will provide the ox cart. God will give you greater. God will give you more. God will commit to you greater responsibility when you are using what God has already given you. God doesn't care so much about your intentions as he does your actions. We can have the best intentions. We can be uh, imagining ourselves being great instruments of God, leading so many people to the Lord, going out evangelizing every day and talking to people, living out our faith, and just being used by God, having God use us in a mighty way. That could be how we envision ourselves. That can be our intentions, but those intentions, they don't matter if your actions don't follow. You can have all the intentions in the world, but intentions are cheap. Intentions, you can say anything you want. Oh, I intended to do this, but... Yeah, you intended to do that, but then what happened? Did you forget? Did you get distracted? Did you get discouraged? You see, living the Christian life is not all about the grand and the glorious. Sometimes it's being obedient. Everyone wants to have fun. We live in an age where serving God in every act of service needs to be grand and glorious, and it needs to be so much fun, and we need to be having that great time, and it all just needs to be happy, and it needs to be a happy moment. But sometimes God just wants you to be obedient. God wants you to wake up and to live your faith, to be obedient today. And sometimes it's not even fun. And sometimes it requires sacrifice. And if I know one thing about sacrifice, it's not enjoyable. It's not, you don't go through a sacrifice and you're like, man, I could do this every day. Man, let's go for round two. It's not like that but it's worth it. And any sacrifice that is given, God rewards. So use that basket and you watch God multiply it and grow it until he gives you that ox cart. But one thing I know is that privilege, privilege increases responsibility. And surely in America, we have been privileged with so much. There are churches all around the United States, good churches, churches that are active. We have an abundant amount of theological resources. You can go on Amazon and order anything you want. I mean, instantly you can have a book on your Kindle, or if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it in two days. And, and listen, I'm not endorsing Amazon right now, but I'm, the point here is that you have access. You have access to anything you want when you want it. There are institutions that we have around the United States to help educate God's people. 
There are uh, men who are gifted in teaching that you can live stream, that you could listen to their podcasts. There are, there's so much. What excuse do we have? We have been uh, given so much. We have been, much has been committed to us, but what are we doing with it? Listen, why does America still need to be a leader in domestic and world evangelism? People say, well, it's not our role anymore. Well, I think it is because we have been given so much. You have been given so much by God. We can talk about knowledge and how we have been blessed with a heritage of Christianity. We have so we have freedoms in our country that many countries don't enjoy. And we can use those freedoms. We have the blessings of God. But with all of that comes responsibility. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You have been given much, and God will require much from you. And if you're not going to take anything and take the things that are right before you, then you will be left wanting. And, and you don't want that. If the early church was willing to be persecuted, willing to be hunted and opposed, even killed for their faith, all the while following Jesus and bringing others to him. If the early church that we read in the book of Acts in Hebrews chapter 11, if they could do all of that with what they had and what they faced, then how much more should we be doing? How much more involved should we be? How much more radical in our faith should we be today? How much more willing should we be to live for him? How much more of our lives should we be willing to sacrifice as a living sacrifice for him that day in and day out, just being obedient? Just doing what we know is right, trying to know his will and then following through. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, What? Knowing not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you hear that? We have been bought with a price. We have been given so much the precious blood of Christ bought our redemption and now we are free and now we have life and now we can live it even more abundantly through him what are you doing with that what are you doing with what you've been given are you just living just so you could simply live are you existing are you just going about in your daily routine live your life for god do something with your life but yet today, fewer and fewer men and women are surrendering themselves to the cause of Christ. If we truly are bought with a price, then doesn't that incur a measure of responsibility towards the one who has paid the price for our sin? Jesus shed his blood for you and for me. Doesn't that mean that we have a responsibility to do something with that? God owns us by way of creation and by way of redemption. I mean, everything we have, both our, our physical life and our spiritual life, we have only because of him. 
And if we truly belong to God, then why do we often fail to recognize his ownership in our life? We're quick to enjoy the blessings of God, to enjoy the status of being the people of God, the children of God. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot. You know, we belong to him. But yet, we're not quick to take ownership in that and say, and now I want to surrender myself to him. I, I do belong to him, and because of that, I'm going to give up my life. I'm going to sacrifice my life. I'm going to give myself so that I can fulfill his will. It, it, do you have that desire? Do you have that desire? We have become so comfortable, and we have forgotten that all that we are and all that we hope to be needs to be centered around bringing God the glory. But yet, so often, it's all about us. It's all about our glory. It's all about getting recognition. We live in this era where uh, we need to be known and we need to have a voice and we need people to see us in action. We got our phones out. We want to be recognized. You know, we have that hypothetical thing. If a tree falls down in a forest, did it actually make a sound? Well, if a believer does something for God, but nobody sees it, then really, did it happen if nobody sees it? If it's not documented, if it's not posted online, then did the, the sacrifice actually take place? Great question. But listen, why? I mean, I'm so glad that we don't read about people with smartphones in the book of Acts. I think we have just clouded our, our lives so much with all of this fluff, the fluff of life, the distractions of life. We have become enamored with the things of this world to the point where we can't even serve God without wanting recognition. And this needs to change because God has given us a task, this mission, the Great Commission. And I know that the Great Commission, it goes around the world, but for the sake of this podcast, we're talking about how it affects you, where you live in the United States. God has given you a job to do right now where you live. You need to be involved in discipling people where you live. Are you making disciples? Are you leading people to the Lord? You've been committed with so much, and with that comes responsibility. Live up to that responsibility, Christian. I mean, why call yourself a Christian? Why say that you love God if you're not going to do the things which he says? So, to whom much is given, much is required. In Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to read from verse 14, and this is a parable that we are all quite familiar with, uh, the parable of the talents. We're talking about stewardship in the context of the Great Commission, and this is where it all takes place. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then 
he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I'm going to skip down to verse 19 now. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that and so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And then the story goes on. And we know the rest. He, he rewards those who took what they had and multiplied it. But the one who hid his Lord's money did not receive anything. So this parable, it really teaches us an important truth. And if I could summarize it, it's just, hey, stop sitting down with what you have and do something. <laughs> when Jesus taught his second coming, he focused on one important lesson. Only faithful stewards will be prepared for his return. And right now, we are waiting for our Lord's return. We're waiting for the coming of Christ. You're not going to be ready if you're not doing anything with what he's given you. If you're not living your faith, if you're not involved in the Great Commission, then you will not be ready. You will be like that one, that one servant who took the one talent that he had. And maybe out of fear for losing it, out of fear for maybe uh, not investing it properly, he just, he gave up. And he said, let me just hide it. Let me just keep it as it is and just do nothing. He was afraid probably. I tell my kids, I say, listen, it's better to try, do whatever you can. Better to try and fail than not do anything at all. Just put yourself out there and do something. But do something. We're waiting for Jesus to return. Be prepared, be ready, and get out there. When the master gave out these talents, it wasn't an act of generosity. He wasn't like showering them with talents, and, and a talent is a measure of money. He wasn't saying, here, take these talents, and you take these talents. Talents for everyone. <laughs> it wasn't a matter of generosity. It was a matter of trust. He trusted these men with something that had value. When we look at a talent, just kind of historically, a talent, one talent weighed about 75 pounds. And you had to be pretty strong to hold a talent in each hand. Okay, so it weighed 6,000 denarii, and it represented the salary given for around 16 years. So if you were to work and take your salary for 16, 16 and a half years, that would be one talent. So we could say that one talent was the equivalent to $1 million. $1 million. So that guy with that one talent, I mean, we often think, oh, well, he only received one little coin. And so he probably was just upset. So he threw it in a hole and 
and that was the end of that. No, he received the equivalent of $1 million. Even the man who received one talent received something of value, and he still chose not to do anything with it. The servants did not own what they were given, but rather they were entrusted with it to do something with it, to make something of it, to grow it, to multiply it, okay? It was their chance to prove themselves. The master had gone on a journey, and this was their time to shine. It was their time to take what they had been given, to take this thing of value, and to grow it. And isn't that our responsibility? Listen, in the Great Commission, you have been given life. You know, I mean, you've received eternal life. Obviously, if you're a Christian, you've received, you've believed in Christ. Well, what are you doing with that? How are you using what you have received to tell other people about how their life could be changed as well? But listen, not everyone is gifted in the same way. When we look at the story here, um, of the three servants, none of them received the same amount of talents. Not, and in the like manner, not every Christian is gifted in the same way. Some are publicly seen and lauded, and we look at these great heroes of the faith that are alive during our day, and we admire their contributions. But there are others who are working faithfully behind the scenes, hidden in the shadows. And, and God loves each one. And without each, the body cannot operate. The body of Christ cannot move forward. Each are just as important. Jesus makes it clear that the size of the gift is not what we should be focused on, but rather, rather it's about what the servant was doing with the gift, what they were doing with what they were given. Biblical stewardship, it touches every area of our life. It requires a basic commitment to present ourselves completely to God as his servants with no strings attached. How often do we come to God and we're like, you know what, I'm going to serve you, Lord, when my life is in order. I'm going to serve you. I want to serve you, but I have to, I need some stability in my life. I need to be established. Uh, once God, once you bless me with, you know, in these areas, then I'll feel free to be more committed. Or maybe after I've learned more, I need to learn. I need to be more confident in knowledge. Then I could, then I can come through and be involved. Uh, but, you know, we have reasons. We have strings that are attached. We need to, to cut those strings. It, it should not be about, oh, I will serve God as long as, or I should serve God when, or I will serve God if. L listen, cut those strings. There, there should be no strings attached with God. Be committed or don't. But if you're going to be committed, be all in. The real issue of stewardship is whether we're viewing our affairs and our possessions as if they're ours or if they're God's. Do you really think that everything is about you and that everything you have is because of you and that it's yours? Or do you look at everything around you and view it as God's? If what you have belongs to God, then you, you won't be afraid to give it up. If what you have around you, if you have given that, that right, those rights over to God, 
If you have said, Lord, these are yours. This life, this life that you have given me is yours. And these possessions that I have, they are yours. Then you're not going to fight God to retain control over those things. You're going to give it up. And you're going to be giving it up gladly. And this mindset will determine whether you will submit yourself to God or not. You see, you are defined by the choices that you make. So choose to surrender your life. The call to follow Jesus is a call to surrender. It's a call to give up your rights and your privileges. It's a call to give up who you are and who you want to be. It's a call to follow Jesus. Don't wait for things to be better in your life. I hear that a lot. I hear people say, you know, Damon, I, I want things to be better. I'm waiting for the planets to align. Waiting for the planets to align. Uh, I'm waiting to find some resemblance of normalcy in my life. I have to get into a rhythm. I need to get into my routine. Listen, if you are waiting for all of these different things to happen before you can serve God, then you will never serve God. You'll be waiting the rest of your life. I mean, I'm still waiting to for things to become more normal in my life. And it's been how many years? <laughs> I've just given up that, that search for normalcy. What is normal anyways? It's not there. And so just serve God. Give God your life. And, and take that basket that you have been given and do something with it. Give it to God. And watch God take care of you. Watch God provide. Watch God give you more. And so today, stop asking for an ox cart. <laughs> stop asking for an ox cart when you're not doing anything with what you have. And so I pray that today's topic was a blessing for you. Um, again, I'm learning. We're growing together. And we are trying to, to find truth, to find how God wants us to live, and not just to gain knowledge, but to live it, and to search for God, and to find God, and then to do something with what we have. So get involved. Get involved in the Great Commission. Um, when you go to church, find your pastor and say, listen, how can I be involved in evangelism? How can I be involved maybe in learning? Maybe I do need to increase my knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, how can I do that? What would be the next step? Find your pastor, find someone in your church, and take that next step as you follow Christ in your life. So remember to follow us online uh, as we move forward with this podcast. Uh, and we want you to join the discussion. We want you to participate, to ask questions, to comment. Uh, what do you think about what we're talking about? Maybe you have an experience uh, you, you heard something and you're trying this stuff out, uh, let us know how that goes and let us know about your journey as you seek to fulfill the Great Commission in your life. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry at Hope Zambia, uh, go to our website at hopezambia.com and there you're going to find uh, all the information about who we are, a little bit about our family, uh, and how you can even contact us, how you can sign up for our our newsletter that we send out. Uh, and I know some of you may get our printed newsletter, uh, but just know that the email version of the newsletter that you can sign up for is actually, it has a lot more content. It has a lot more in it. And so take advantage of that. Go on our website at hopezambia.com. 
sign up and you can receive that. I actually have to write a newsletter in the next week or two. And so if you sign up now, you're gonna get the newsletter um, and it, it'll be right in your inbox so you won't miss it. So listen, the Great Commission is out there. Let's get busy, not just learning, not just talking about it, but let's get busy doing God's business. Anyways, from all of us here in Zambia, Africa, on behalf of the Manachera family, we're wishing you the very best. Take care and God bless.